This winter, join the Washington Post in its fight against hunger, homelessness, and poverty with a contribution to Post Helping Hand. To learn more and donate, visit posthelpinghand.com. From the newsroom of The Washington Post. Hi, this is Ben Terrace coming from The Washington Post. Hi, Jeff. Miss Winfrey, Oprah. Hi there. How are you? It's Lisa Bonas calling for The Post. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, December 30th. Today, the relationship between a wealthy New York developer who is now president and the wealthy New York mayor who wants to be president. Plus, remembering a fashion icon. Today, I'm glad to announce that I am running for president to defeat Donald Trump and to unite and rebuild America. Michael Bloomberg entered the Democratic presidential race last month. He's a businessman and a former New York mayor. And since he's announced, one of his arguments has been that he is the guy to take on President Trump. I know what it takes to beat Trump because I already have and I will do it again. But these two New York billionaires have a complicated history. And it's a story that reporter Michael Cranish first brought to us last January. In October 2013, politicians and bigwigs from around New York City gathered in the Bronx to celebrate the opening of a new golf course. And we're joined this morning by Donald Trump, president and chairman of the Trump Organization. The project was largely funded by the city, and the property would be operated by the Trump Organization. Then-Mayor Michael Bloomberg and then-real estate developer Donald Trump both spoke at the ceremony, heaping praise on each other. After all, they were old friends. All of them. The funniest time, though, was when uh, you and I got on the subway together, and he said, I take it every day. I'm not clear he does that. Uh, But if there's anybody that has changed this city, it is Donald Trump. He really has done an amazing thing, and this is another part of it. Donald, thank you for your confidence in the city. Well, thank you very much, Mike. And I have to say, you have been a great mayor. Come here. You really have. I mean, this guy is fantastic. So on this October day, Donald Trump stood there with Michael Bloomberg, and they congratulated each other, and they lavished praise on each other, and they said they were both so wonderful for the city of New York. And it turned out this was the high point uh, in their relationship. Michael Cranish is an investigative political reporter for The Post, and he's been reporting on the complicated relationship between two New York billionaires who could end up facing off as political opponents in the 2020 election. They're both New York billionaires. They both named their companies after themselves. You'd think they'd have a lot in common. Uh, and to, to a degree, they do, but there's a lot they don't have in common. And in fact, Trump in 2001 supported the liberal Democrat in the mayor's race, Mark Green, instead of supporting Michael Bloomberg, the Republican. Well, Bloomberg won. So then he saw this was opportunistic. He said, no, I need to be close to this mayor. Over the years, Donald Trump had made inroads to various mayor's office in New York. He needed tax breaks, this and that. At this point in time, he wasn't doing real development in New York. He was putting his name on buildings. He was branding himself around the world and making money from The Apprentice. So it was a little bit different, but he still wanted to be close to uh, Michael Bloomberg. So uh, over the years, they did events together. They went to charity golf courses together. And at one point, Donald Trump asked him to be on The Apprentice. So Michael Bloomberg met with contestants at Gracie Mansion, the official residence of the mayor in New York, giving them advice. And then again, in 2008, Bloomberg appeared on The Celebrity Apprentice. So he was actually on the show. Bloomberg was actually on the show twice, The Apprentice and then The Celebrity Apprentice. 
not as a contestant, so he couldn't get fired, but he was there as a guest. So Donald Trump introduced Bloomberg as a great leader, quote unquote. Then in 2008, there's this extraordinary scene. And we actually went to a lot of effort to track down the videos because they're not that publicly available. You can't simply go on YouTube and see some of these things. So we did. So some of these scenes from The Apprentice. Right. Some of the scenes from The So I was able to see the scene from The Apprentice 2004. And then in The Celebrity Apprentice in 2008, here Donald Trump and Michael Bloomberg are together. They're walking down a busy Manhattan street. concept of that episode was the uh, hot dog wars between the contestants. Who could sell the most hot dogs? They had all these celebrities, quasi-celebrities. Mayor Bloomberg and Donald Trump paid a visit. It was the highlight of this task for me. And he's going to testify as the number one francophile in this city. I'm supposed to see whether you guys can cut the mustard. All right, then. <laughs> I'm sure this was just off the top of his head, but in the background you can see Donald Trump and family members just beaming. So for both men, they get something out of this. Bloomberg gets to seem human, and Trump, he gets this legitimacy. He gets the mayor of New York to appear in his show. So a lot of the people who appear in his show, you know, are celebrities or people you never heard of. But you get the mayor of New York. I mean, that, that lends some legitimacy to who he is. So from your read of this, this is more opportunistic and not like a, a genuine friendship between them. Uh, I think both people might describe it that way. I interviewed President Trump for this story. Now, it's not always so easy to get an interview with Donald Trump. But in this case, I had a hunch he might want to because Bloomberg's gotten under his skin to a degree, and it's easier for him to go after Bloomberg than it is to deal with Congress, for example. What he said, he said that they were very good friends. He thought he said, I thought Michael liked me and I liked him. And they got along really well for about a decade. Then things changed. So it turned from a friendship into a serious rivalry basically according to President Trump, on the day that he made clear he was going to run for president. And at that point, all the niceties were put aside, and they started bashing each other very bitterly. Trump basically used the golf course deal to say, I was able to get this golf course deal done and to open the golf course in a way that the city could not. I did try over a course of a long number of weeks to talk to Bloomberg for this story, specifically to find out what he thought about the golf course deal we discussed and other matters. He just did not want to engage because his staff basically said they don't have a relationship and we don't want to talk about this. A colleague of mine did get a comment in a general way from Bloomberg a day or so ago. But uh, Bloomberg just did not want to sit for an interview on this topic. He certainly has not been hesitant to bash Donald Trump, but he hasn't wanted to talk about how they had a relationship and how, in fact, his administration gave Trump a significant deal on the golf course in the Bronx. Once Donald Trump started running for president, the gloves came off. Bloomberg gave a speech at the 2016 Democratic National Convention. Through his career, Donald Trump has left behind a well-documented record of bankruptcies and thousands of lawsuits and angry stockholders and contractors who feel cheated and disillusioned customers who feel they've been ripped off. Trump says he wants to run the nation like he's running his business? God help us! I'm a New Yorker, and I know a con when I see one. Right after that, Donald Trump got on Twitter and he said, quote, little Michael Bloomberg, he didn't have the guts to run for president, and his third term as mayor was a disaster. So the feud escalated, as you might imagine. And the conflict between Trump and Bloomberg wasn't just a personal beef. Trump's campaign also revealed stark differences in their views on policy. 
gun control. Bloomberg has been big on gun control, and Donald Trump has been close to the NRA. Climate change, Bloomberg has been very out front in trying to lead efforts for climate change. And of course, now as president, as he said he would do during the campaign, he's dropped the global climate deal. So they did have some serious differences. Those were all shoved aside during the 10 years or so when they knew each other as Donald Trump, the developer, and Michael Bloomberg, the mayor. And yet, for all of those differences... I think that they are really similar in a lot of ways, especially when you look at the fact that, you know, Bloomberg is someone who used to be a Republican and is now considering running for president as a Democrat. Trump supported this Democratic mayor who's running against Bloomberg and obviously is now embracing the Republican Party. You could say that they're both kind of billionaires who know how to recognize a political opportunity. Exactly. They've both been chameleon-like in their politics. They've both been Democrats, Republicans, and independents. You know, Trump changed his party registration seven times. So his ideology basically has been, what does he need to do to win? That's been a hallmark of his career. He was initially a liberal Democrat, and now he's a conservative Republican. Bloomberg has also changed significantly. He was a Democrat, then he was a Republican, independent, and now he's a Democrat again. So, you know, he has quite changed, although not all of his policies are in line necessarily with Democratic orthodoxy. What do you think the trajectory of these two people says about our current political landscape? Well, Donald Trump showed that someone who is a billionaire could find a way to relate to a lot of people who are hurting, middle class, lower middle class. There is a history around the world of of leaders who are strong men, who might be very wealthy, finding a way to connect. And so whatever people think of Donald Trump, the reality is he won in part by connecting to these working class people across the country, in small towns, all sorts of places. How Bloomberg might try to replicate that is is another challenge. He doesn't have the same, perhaps, relatability. He doesn't have the same kind of personality. But he was considered a pretty successful mayor of New York in the fact that he had elected three times. He was very popular and was able to connect with New Yorkers. Whether he could do that across the country is another question. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Michael Cranish is a political investigative reporter at The Post. One more thing. An iconic figure of the fashion world died this year. Karl Lagerfeld was a bombastic and controversial figure. He brought legendary brands like Chanel back into the spotlight. And after his death in February, post-fashion critic Robin Gavon shared a story about his legacy. He started more than 50 years ago as the designer at Fendi. But it was really when he took the helm of Chanel in the 80s that his stature rose so that women in their 20s still look at Chanel as something that, you know, fashion-wise they aspire to, even though it ostensibly could have been something that their grandmothers wore. He really gave Chanel an incredible burst of fashion. So he began by making it relevant again. He made Chanel into a brand that people wanted to wear and not something that they were looking back on historically. And then I think he had a sharp tongue and he could be wonderfully honest and he could also be brutally mean. And it often got him in trouble. I mean, he sort of famously said that perhaps Adele was a little too fat and he could make fun of himself. 
But I think that's a, a far cry from when you decide that you're going to poke at someone else. Lagerfeld certainly championed designers whose work he admired, but I think almost in a way he set a standard for what a fashion designer can take on that in many ways overwhelms modern designers. I mean, he was unique. And it seems to me that a lot of contemporary designers sort of think that in order to do well, they have to take on all those things too. And it's the rare person who can. Robin Gavon is the fashion critic for The Post. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. If you're on Twitter, we'd love to hear your thoughts about the stories featured in this episode. Tweet with the hashtag PostReports or tag me. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Contributions to Post Helping Hand go directly to services run by beneficiaries Bright Beginnings and Street Village and so others might eat that provide shelter, food, education, and other services to those less fortunate in the Washington, D.C. region. Learn more at posthelpinghand.com. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.